Today in the Attorney Career Advice Podcast with Harrison Barnes. Livestock raising, cities were enabled to start so much in, in common with each other. The person felt very, and people leave and, and constantly, and things get tough, and they always do. Yes, they get tough. So when I was uh, growing up, there was a, a guy that I went to school with, and his dad was a litigator at a big firm in Detroit named Miller Canfield. Uh, went to Harvard Law School, I think, and then Amherst, uh, the dad, and it was a big deal to go to Harvard Law School. Uh, in the town I was living in, because there weren't, it's just, there weren't a lot of lawyers like there are in most towns. Um, and, um, but anyway, he never saw his dad and became addicted to drugs and got kicked out of prep schools and stuff. And a lot of times when you see that in kids, it's almost like a cry for attention. So you should be cognizant, no matter your age, that if you are doing this stuff and ignoring your children, it's going to have consequences that are going to maybe affect them for the rest of their lives. I've met people like in their 70s that want nothing to do, they want nothing more than to talk about how bad their parents were to them and their parents have been dead 30 years and stuff. So parents, uh, your parents and being around is important. Having a family may be important. You don't have to have a family, but you should at least be happy outside of work and you shouldn't feel like you're threatened all the time, like your job's at risk. If you make a mistake, you're going to be publicly humiliated and all these sorts of things. And and some of these um, positive aspects have financial implications, and they're not primarily about money. They're just, when you make, when you disregard these choices, when you're choosing where to work, or just look at short-term financial gain, you're going, you're hurting yourself. And I'm just trying to prevent you from hurting yourself. I'm not saying that big firms are bad, for example. There are big firms where you might belong because you, whatever they're doing um, matches your interest. You may be um, completely gung-ho about mergers and acquisitions law and want to go to the absolute best firm. And when you get there, you'll also be a star there uh, because you just have so much interest in it. There's nothing, I'm not, it's not about the firm size and you're able to work with the best people in the world that do mergers and acquisitions there and you're contributing and you're enthusiastic about it. So there's nothing wrong with big firms, but it's, what's wrong is if you go to the wrong one. And, and I'm urging you to try to make your career choices towards finding a tribe because this is going to increase your chances of being happy, of actually more money in the long run, because you'll still be practicing law and all of these positive aspects. You're going to make more money if you become part of a firm that is your tribe. And, and that's how it is. Now, I was talking earlier about how tribes work and what happens in tribes. But what happened um, in the history of the, basically, before cities and um, before uh, cities uh, arose because you could, the people could be more efficient agriculturally. They started using oxes to plow fields. And there's a bunch of reasons that cities were able to mass livestock raising. Cities were enabled to start. But we're, this is not very long, I don't know, until this happened. We're not talking about in terms of the hundreds of thousands of years in human history that this happened. But just the, my point here is, and the point I want to make is that as recently as hundreds of years ago, if not a few thousand or more years ago, the worst thing that could happen to anyone was to be kicked out of a tribe. Because if you were kicked out, another tribe wouldn't take you in and, and you wouldn't have the ability to, uh, to, to feed yourself. You wouldn't have the ability to meet people and have friendships and to reproduce, all these things. And so what would happen when people were kicked out of those tribes is they would die. They would and so that's what's in your DNA. This is all of our DNA. It's why 
being part of social groups is so important to people. It's why people identify with the firm they're in and the jobs and the schools they went to. They want a tribe, and but a real tribe is much different than those things. And so this is hard-coded in your DNA. It's what all of us have. They have a need to be part of that. And if we're isolated and alone, this is when people start having problems. This is when people start using substances or being unhappy. And if you talk to most bums that are on the street, there's a huge homeless problem all over the country where people are living on the streets and, and all these things. And when you talk to these people, a lot of them are just alienated from their families, from their friends, from their employers. And, and often that's the real reason that they're in these kind of conditions. Now, I'm not saying it happens all the time, but certainly it happens a lot. And I've read a lot about that sort of thing because I find it very interesting. Why are all these homeless people? There's a lot of reasons too. Like they used to put people that were problematical in, in asylums and then they came up with these medications and they thought it was cheaper to give them the medication rather than to keep them confined. But the, the idea is when you're, and so then all the people that were formed in asylums were let out. And the idea was psychiatrists and drug companies could take care of it. Of course, people never took the medicine uh, so you just had the same thing but on the streets. But the point I'm making is tribes are incredibly important. They're important today um, without being part of a tribe. And if you're a homeless person, if you have a family that's taking care of you, you're not homeless. If you are a homeless person and you have friends that look out for you, you're not homeless. If you are a homeless person and you have a significant other or you're part of a, a, a social group or some church or something, you don't become homeless. There are several religions that I can think of that wouldn't, that would, if members would step up and help someone if they had those problems because they're part of a tribe. So here's kind of the importance of finding your tribe when you select jobs. I've discussed this before, but the idea is that humans are tribal creatures by nature, through history, wherever you can define it. And, and they need to be part of, they want to be part of a group of like-minded people in order to survive. There's also a lot of firms around the country that are composed of different tribes. It's very interesting when you look at firms in different parts of the country that people come from certain economic groups. Um, they come from shared understandings of how they grew up. They come from different religions. I've seen law firms that are composed of only graduates of Harvard Law School. And, and that's, I guess, their tribe are mostly graduates or people that are all one religion. You look, go there and they're all um, conservative Jews with kippahs on. It's funny. It's not funny, but it's an indicative of how much the tribal thing, their tribal things happen within law firms. In the South, I started talking to people that were trying to get out of law firms in the South. They'd go to some, I don't know, Savannah or some city. And I, I don't know, Savannah is probably not a, the one I'm thinking of, but different cities in the South and South Carolina and North Carolina. And, and they would discover when they got there, that everybody went to the same high school, they used the same people, they lived in the same area, their children went to the same school. And, and because they were coming from New York or Chicago or something, they just were never part of that because those people were so tight and shared so much in, in common with each other. The person felt very isolated and alone and, and you know, all those things that happen. It's depressing. You spend Christmas alone. And so that can happen and because some cities and some firms are very tribal. When at Los Angeles, as I mentioned earlier, there's lots of firms that are composed of people from one ethnic or religious group. You have firms that are composed of people that are all, again, Jews, Mormons, people of all the same race, people of the 
all that went to the same law school, like Southwestern is a law school. So you have groups of people that went all went there. Um, you just have things are tribal and they are even in the largest cities. There's, as I told you earlier, that even though this is increasingly uncommon, especially in California, there are people that are in law firms that all have conservative viewpoints. There's others that where almost all the people are liberals, which is actually very common. But then there's people that went to the same law schools or uh, people who live in the same parts of town. Like they may all live in uh, Pasadena or Hollywood or and, and they share that in common. And humans are just tribal animals and you need to find whatever it is about you. Do you know the secrets to getting your dream legal job? We do. And one of the best things you can do is apply to jobs that fly under the radar. Applying to openings with very little competition means you stand a much higher chance of getting hired. But how do you find openings like that? For starters, you're not going to find them on major job boards because these jobs are usually only advertised on companies' websites and in small regional publications. That is why we created Law Crossing, the most comprehensive database of legal jobs in the world. We have a team of people constantly working to find every single legal job out there. Unlike other job boards, which only list jobs that companies pay to post, we include every legal job we can find in order to maximize your chances of finding a job. So what are you waiting for? Head over to www.lawcrossing.com to find your dream legal job today. It could be your um, race. It could be your religion. It could be your um, school. It could be your shared devotion of a single practice area. It could be uh, your um, commitment to the type of work uh, that the firm is doing and that um, how passionate they are and how passionate you are. It can be all sorts of things. It doesn't have to be uh, the type of groups that I'm talking about. Sometimes it's just your age, like a bunch of young people uh, starting a firm or older people working on legacy clients. You just have to think about what is it that you're identifying with these, the people in the firm. You, you, the more there's something the more, the better you are. I tell the story all the time, so I'm not going to continue telling it, but I was clerking in a city called Bay City, Michigan, around Bay City. There are some other cities like Midland and, and a few law firms and, and, and the people that work in those law firms as a general rule grew up in that area and the firms are small and, and end up continuing practicing law with those groups generally for their entire career. I, I was clerk there. I met a bunch of people that were not a lot, like four or five. There were new attorneys that would come into court with sitting beside an attorney that knew it was more senior and and that was arguing the motions and so forth. And I just kept in touch by watching the law firms they went to and all of them, same law firm, never moved, just same law firm they started in, just there, just looking a lot older. And that's what happened. The people are part of a tribe. They grew up in this kind of former logging town, or in the case of Bay City, and then in the case of Midland, this city that's dominated by Dow Chemical, people just share some stuff. And then tribes are protective of their members. These firms, uh, I'm sure, went through ups and downs through the 20 plus years, or what did it know? It's more than that. It's almost 30 years, that uh, whatever the number is, that, that I was there, all still there. So these tribes are protecting them. I'm sure there were economic problems. I'm sure there were mistakes made. I'm sure there were blow-ups. I'm sure that people had divorces or problems or things happen, but they're still there because the tribes protected them and um, they didn't think of leaving their tribe. So think about that. 
Um, and so um, if you're part of a firm where um, you're really part of a tribe, the firm's going to need to think very hard if it wants to fire you or lay you off because um, the firm knows that if it does, the other members of the tribe will want to stick up for you and will constantly remind each other of how poorly you were treated. If some member of the tribe is treated unfairly and it's a tribal type firm, um, then others will step up for you and 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 they'll be mad at the person that overreacted or treated you poorly and they'll support you and you'll still be part of the tribe and tribes protect their own people and and you need to be safe you need to be safe on a on a, a level and you need to be safe because that's what's programmed into uh, our dna it's this is what people needed to do to survive for hundreds of thousands of years they needed to be part of tribes so all this disconnection, all this feeling alone, all this need taking antidepressants or drinking too much or using drugs are just substitutes for connecting with someone. All of your self-help groups that for people that have problems with gambling or alcohol or drugs, all they are, they're like, they put you in little tribes. You go to AA meetings, you're there with little tribes of 20 to 30 people, you're all sharing your shared experiences. You get sponsors. They protect you. They, they you to talk to, and they're part of the tribe. And then the tribes know help each other. They this is a tribe. So what do they do when someone drinks too much or drinks alcohol too much or uses drugs? You go and you find a little tribe of people that are like you. Tribes, by the way, that are often the size are similar to what tribes were historically for hundreds of thousands of years with thirty members, forty members. They basically put you in a tribe, um, and if you want to be happy and not disconnected and not using drugs, not using alcohol, you go to a tribe, and and that's really what's happening. It's not that you're suddenly losing your desire for drugs or alcohol or sex, which is another 12-step. You're really, what you're doing is you're finding a tribe with like-minded people that are going to be nice to you and help you feel part of the tribe. That's it. This is how important it is. People without tribes... They go and they may have indiscriminate sex with people to, to feel some sort of connection with others. They may gamble. They may spend too much money and buy things that they don't need for some sort of a connection. They may they may drink too much. They All these things are about connection. Some people drink because without drinking, they can't be social, which is connecting. So all of this is about connecting. Even I remember, and I shouldn't talk about this, but it's because it's not very nice, but, and I don't like to identify with this necessarily, but when I was in college, I was in this fraternity and they would go and people would sit there and go through hell with water being dumped on your head and people making you drink too much and putting, making you run around the city in the middle of the night, getting cigarettes and just really awful behavior, going to the bathroom in some cases on people, like peeing on them and saw that very horrible behavior but they did that because the idea was if you pay the price and you go through this pledge ship and you you humiliate yourself in front of the group and publicly and and you push yourself to the limit then you will be part of the tribe and that tribe will be your identity the rest of college and people do that so they can be part of the tribe because that is a something that makes them feel good once they eat dog food, a big bag of dog food over five days. And these are things that happen, literally, because that's how much um, people uh, want to be part of tribes. There's a new thing that's very interesting. There's television shows about it. There's 
been news magazines about it, that news stories about it, that for sororities, people go to University of Alabama, which I think is the school they talk about, and they hire before they go there sorority consultants to help them get in, to show them how to dress and act so they can be part of this tribe. So these, this is big stuff, man. This is There's a lot going on with tribes because these tribes are part of our DNA. They're what people do to find an identity and to feel like they're part of others. They need it. And that's what fraternities do. That's what sororities do. That's what you know, being part of a, an organization does. All of this stuff is something that is hard-coded into our DNA and makes us happy. So a lot of law firms have a lot of diversity and, and most law firms, especially large law firms, have members of various tribes. They could be athletes, former athletes, they could be all sorts of things. But if you are hired and receive work from someone who goes to your church or synagogue and also socializes with, with your family, who went to similar schools and backgrounds, this is a, a really good sign that someone is likely, there's someone there that is likely to benefit you in your career in terms of getting into the, the tribe. It's interesting too, This I keep going on these little tangents, but this is just so important. There's in, in law firms, a lot of times what happens is someone, the partnership is a form of tribe. So of course, the idea is to enter that tribe, you need to work very hard for a certain number of years. You need to put yourself through hell in order to get become a member of this tribe because if you're a member you will have an identity of one of the one of the top attorneys there that's paid the price for the hours um, but also to be part of a, that tribe a lot of times you'll need sponsors and then that sponsor will have to be um, important and uh, meaning have a lot of pull and so you may be working for uh, a non-equity partner and that may be your closest person that sponsors you and they don't have any power. So there's certain power people within, so you don't make partner. There's certain people within tribes that have more power than others. And so it's always important for you to be members of those tribes, to get into a tribe that you know the people that can help you. But that's just a lot of what you're going through in terms of this. It's the same thing as fraternity hazing. This is what you're going through when you're joining a law firm and working very hard. You're showing your commitment to being part of that tribe. One of the reasons, by the way, a law firm will tolerate it like a good law firm. If you are at a firm, if you leave a firm once or something, and they will tolerate it and hire you. But in most firms, there's always this kind of underlying thing that in big firms, especially that the, the people that were some associates in the firm, those are the ones that should be advanced because they were part of the tribe immediately. Uh, right when they were in college. So they're be better tribe members than someone that's hired laterally. I'm sorry, that's just a dynamic that happens in large firms and small firms. The people that were initially part of that tribe will get are, are more entrenched in the tribe. What does it say when you move a lot or you, you switch jobs a lot? It says that you were uncomfortable in multiple tribes or the tribes were uncomfortable with you and they banished you. And I'm sorry, it's getting fired, all this stuff. And Again, hard code in our DNA is the fact that we want to introduce people into our tribes that we believe are going to stay, that we believe are going to commit, that all these sorts of things. So this is just, I'm not saying that it's right or wrong, but what I am saying is this is just how law firms work. They want you to, they want to see people that will commit to those tribes. Being a summer associate at a firm, getting an offer and staying there as many years as you can is a very positive thing because it shows you're committed to a tribe. Working at multiple firms and not staying there is not a good thing because it shows 
you can't be committed to a trial. Going in-house and wanting to go back to a law firm is not a good thing because and in some places it just doesn't work because it shows you're not committed to being in a law firm tribe. You don't care what kind of tribe you're in. So all these, and then therefore you won't commit to their tribe. And all these things matter. It's just, I'm, I'm, this is the real world results, law firms acting like this. I'm not the one that makes these rules, but this is very important. If you're not committed to your practice area and you're bouncing around between practice areas, that shows you're not committed to a, a practice area tribe. And you want to choose this sort of insurance over money because it's going to be more likely to help you in the long run. You just need to, that's what you need to do. You need to think and understand that people are absolutely, positively tribal in nature. Law firms are tribal in nature. And that's just how the whole system works. And and it's because of the way humans um, are built and, and how they work. The construction of law firms that monitor, that mirror, mirror corporations and then have corporate-like thinking is new. It's also unnatural in a lot of respects. It really didn't happen until Kravath, Swain and Moore started, it was working for big companies like IBM. And as the United States grew after World War II, the law firms starting with Kravath started increasingly monitoring or mirroring the way that corporations work in terms of productivity, hours, and, and more importantly, hiring associates at a high hourly rate, have I mean, a high salary that were the best law schools, and then letting those associates go uh, when they got more senior, and then actually sending them uh, to work in their clients and their clients' offices as in-house counsel because um, they wanted loyalty and they wanted work to continue. So this is how everything has worked. Uh, a developed market would be New York, Los Angeles, Houston, Dallas, you know, Miami, um, Washington, D.C., Philadelphia, you, see, you can understand Chicago. These are developed markets, meaning a developed market essentially means there's a high degree of specialization. There's a high degree of more business than tribal, especially in the large firms. And, and so this tribal thing uh, that's encoded into our DNA is a little bit different um, in these types of firms. Do you want to grow your legal career? A lateral move might be the right choice to get you on track for your career goals. Working with a legal placement firm like BCG Attorney Search can open doors for you and help you live the life you dream of. If you're looking for a new legal job, send us your resume so we can help. Visit www.bcgsearch.com and click on Submit Resume to be paired with one of our legal placement professionals who will work tirelessly on your behalf to get you your dream legal job. Submit your resume to www.bcgsearch.com to get started today. So one thing I've noticed, people that are in developed markets, Sacramento, are less developed markets like Sacramento or Detroit, are more likely to find their tribe than in markets like New York or San Francisco. So try Detroit, for example. Historically, there's been a few big firms there, like Dickinson Wright, Han Honigman. What else? There's now there's Foley and Lardner, which is in the past 20 years. There's Butts Along, there's Miller Canfield, there's so there, there's not a lot of big firms and compared to other markets. And then and then in markets like New York or San Francisco, there's hundreds of firms and big firms. So you're you're obviously going to be much more likely many times, unless you are approaching tons and tons of firms, uh, to find a tribe in many cases, because there's not a lot of people. There are a lot of big firms in Detroit, and there's not a lot of big there are now, now actually in Sacramento, there's quite a few. But if you join a major firm in a market like New York, 
the odds are pretty good that you're not going to be working there in a few years. You're not necessarily part of a tribe. You're just one of these people that's almost working on an assembly line, a lot of the firms, meaning you, know, you work on an assembly line, you don't necessarily feel committed to anything. And the odds are you won't be working there after a few years. These firms may merge or consolidate uh, with other firms. Uh, sometimes they dissolve. They may have silos within them of partners that don't talk to other partners. They may merge with firms that have different values. They may do, they may be branch offices of attorneys that are cobbled together from a bunch of different firms. So there's no real solid culture. Uh, all these sort of things happen. And, and these firms will have a high level of attrition and turnover. And often the partners will turn over too. So it's, what is this thing? What is this firm? What does it stand for? And people leave and, and constantly, and then and there's just ongoing problems. And uh, people will get fired, um, get laid off, or more often than not, leave on their own. Why wouldn't you? You feel like you're just this commodity. It doesn't matter how hard you work sometimes. It doesn't matter the quality of your work. There's always someone that can replace you. It's just a complete waste. It's interesting that I was talking to someone recently that went on dating sites, and that person said that on those dating sites, they would meet people and they would go out on dates. And, and then, of course, a lot of those dates wanted to, this is a woman telling me this, jump into the sack very quickly, but, but everyone would ghost each other and people would, and there was no connection because people just had so many options. They could click this and click that and then go out, and, but not as much in the past where you'd meet someone and there weren't a lot of other people you could meet and therefore you were more likely uh, to commit and or, or try to make something work. Um, whereas now there's just all these other options. There's no need to connect with anyone because there's more people available. And so that's just, and so the people that go on those are by nature unconnected or unconnected with others. So it's just something to think about and, and, and realize how it works. And other attorneys are going to be lured away from money in a lot of these large firms that are in very sophisticated markets. They'll go to other firms or into other careers uh, entirely. There's this thing too with a lot of attorneys that work at major firms where when they get into a position where they can't work at another major firm because they're just too senior or whatever, then they quit practicing law altogether because their egos are so entwined with the illusion that they're part of the tribe of big firm people. Uh, and, and let's just face it, when there's a market slowdown, especially in corporate, Firms in big cities, including New York, like San Francisco, Palo Alto, uh, will just let people go in droves. There's no uh, need to keep them around because there's always other people that they can get. So let's be profitable in the short term uh, in order to just find people in other ways in the long term. And these firms, they're run like oil machines. They're always hiring. Uh, they're always firing people. They'll sometimes let people go or keep people working until they can find another person that they think will work harder, they'll like, they'll like better. And it's just a massive human toll. It's meaningless. It's all about the money. What's very sad for me, and I'll just, because I review resumes all day, there's so many people that are getting laid off from these big firms. Sometimes they're, they start the firm right out of 2023. So people started in September, or August or whenever. And, and then by December, they're out of work. And what do you do? That's horrible. So it's like these firms are just about making money. And, and that's actually, that's how capitalism works. I'm not criticizing capitalism. I'm not criticizing firms, but that's how it works. There's just no, you're making 
a trade-off with a lot of firms. Um, now I'm going to be very clear with you that not all large law firms are like this. One example would be Sherman and Sterling. Sherman and Sterling for decades had never laid anybody off. It was a very stable place. And then suddenly in 2001, it started, and this was a top tier New York firm, just about as part of a very elite circle of firms and started laying off a lot of people. They laid them off all over the world and their brand really suffered because they did that. And I, I don't know that they did that in 2008. I knew that I think they realized that they made a mistake, at least for their brand. And there are firms that don't do layoffs. They always protect people. There's big firms that protect people where you never hear about layoffs and they frankly don't happen. So I'm not saying that all large law firms do this. There are a lot, and I don't want to name names because I, it could change, but there are a lot of them that really commit to their people. And the only way you can lose a, a job is if it's just, there's, it just doesn't happen, at least for recession reasons. But a lot of firms, majority of them, when things get tough, and they always do, you'll often just be cast out on the street and you'll have no one to protect you or shepherd you through, meaning they're not going to try to find you a new job. They're not going to, they'll give you some severance. They won't hire you in the future if you want to come back. They will just kick you to the curb. And that's scary. This is what happens in capitalism. And then there's just, these are just financially run law firms that are putting finances, short-term finances over career, essentially. And when I say they Things get tough and they always do. Yes, they get tough. So they got very tough in late 2000 through 2001. They got very tough seven years later in 2008 through 2011 or 12. Thankfully, they didn't get tough seven years later. Things tend to run in seven-year cycles. They didn't get tough in, in, in 2008. Actually, no, I'm sorry, 2015, like you might have thought they would. And there's a lot of reasons for that. And then they certainly didn't get tough during COVID as much as they otherwise might have because the company, law firms and other were being propped up financially by the government. But now there's a cycle where there's a lot of slowdown and IPOs and different things and real estate's very weird. And so things are slowing down again and people are losing jobs. So these cycles just happen. They always happen. You can't predict them. You could get out of law school in a bad cycle and just be completely ruined, not ruined, but have problems. You could you could be practicing for two or three years and you could be hit by it and you won't know what happens. So a lot of people, when this happens, their careers come to an end in these major markets and when the market slows. And then what's so funny, and I'm sorry to bring this up, but if you are in a market that is laying people off in a certain practice area, you think you can just apply to other big firms and get a job without realizing that those other big firms are getting so many applications in their practice area, whether it's mergers and acquisitions or securities or finance related, they're getting so many applications that your odds of getting hired are minuscule. And not only that, but they may just take down that job when and stop interviewing and altogether when they're hit by these financial forces that are hitting other firms. Very scary for you to concentrate only on the largest markets during a recession. You should be moving and looking for positions in smaller markets because a lot of work moves to smaller firms um, because uh, the companies don't want to spend the money in large firms. And not only that, the, the firms in smaller markets will often be very uh, excited that they can invest in someone uh, with your type of qualifications and training. And, and that's a risk worth taking. Uh, the other one that is very good is moving home. So to your home market, if it's not a major market, 
So there's lots of things you can do when the market slows, but many times trying to find positions when you're in a market that's where everybody's looking for jobs is insane. What happened in 2008 to 2011 in a lot of these big markets is there just wasn't any work. So people tried to do the same thing over and over getting work. It's like beating their head against the wall and that's what happened. So it's not anything to work, work, worry about. It doesn't matter many times if you're a partner or counsel, if you're a non-equity partner. When the gravy train stops, meaning a lot of work coming in, so does your job and often your career. That's all the time we have for this edition of the show. If you are an attorney looking for a change, head on to bcgsearch.com.